right? That's always what I'm looking to do is do something that feels worthy of sharing, of commenting, of pontificating about. And so I'm really always trying to push myself to explore whatever topic, whatever situation, whatever's going on, and just really keep poking and prodding the underbelly of the conversation. So I'm not just parroting rhetoric. Here goes. Here we are, people. This could be a long one. It seems like I've got some cobwebs, uh, as well as some snot and some sinal sinal congestion, sinus congestion to work through here. So bear with me and enjoy, okay? I'm going to let this one flow for a bit. Um, I'm literally listening to my my neighbor uh, in the office next to me. Uh, singing. It sounds like he's almost, he's doing some sort of cover of um, Journeys Don't Stop Believing. I'm guessing that's that's what's going on. It sounds pretty good. Hopefully you'll hear it in a commercial someday. Uh, he's not a sponsor, but he's certainly a, a good supporter here, Mr. Guarini. Um, <laughs> there's, I made notes for this one. It seems like there's a lot. I was, I'm in today on Saturday, April 9th. Let's get my bearings here with you. It's a beautiful sunny day, yet also back and forth rainy. I literally am watching the rain come down now as the sun is also pouring through the clouds. I use that language on purpose. It's quite the mix. And there's a pool. We have a pool here now um, in the, I guess the... um, sort of septic area if you will we could probably <clears throat> grow we could probably turn it into uh, a little fishing area if we wanted to I know the flooding is probably on some people's minds because that's legit as of last fall we know for sure what that can do in this area if you didn't know before and I know that there's a lot of that right now it looks like at least from the river so that's certainly a little disconcerting to some people. Hopefully we don't get more rain. Um, this is just is going to be a big brain dump. You know, it just needs to be one. All right. We'll get through We'll get through it though. And we'll get to some, some good gems. I, I was supposed to be in here recording an episode with Yulia today, but we had a miscommunication, a totally understandable one. I think we just rescheduled for a couple days from now. We did. I shouldn't say I think because maybe that's how we got into the trouble of, with today. But it works out because I'm going to do these intros and outros, three of them. We're going to record three of them today. And then go home and get more fully ready for tomorrow's recording. And even as I, even as I said that, I think I'm going to go home. It's tempting the sauna. Gosh, isn't this, isn't this an interesting and uh, welcome problem? I want a sauna. <laughs> only because it would be nice to get that sweat for tomorrow. But I'd also love to be outside. Huh, freedom. Mostly, as you can tell, I probably just need to eat. (laughs) 
laugh at yourself. Um, that's actually a good theme for this guest. Let me say who the guest is going to be on this one. And then I'm going to go back to my giving you the bearings, brain dump. Uh, here we are. Where are we? What are we doing? Intro here. So Tony. Tony is an actress, among many other things. Definitely a performer. Definitely an artist. And was gracious enough to join us for an episode and it was lovely and the key is that you go check out her content you're going to need to look at her content um i was introduced to her by a friend who just simply just shared a video of hers from something i think tiktok and it was hilarious but also extremely so so smart um, just double checking. It looks like not many of you know her yet. Yeah. Based on, yeah, but we got to change that except for Ross. Yeah. My buddy Ross, he, he knows her. Um, and Carl, but that might be, and maybe Amanda. Okay. Interesting. So check her out. She's hilarious, but also really smart as you hopefully pick up from this episode. Um, <laughs> As she says here, hence, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the mixture of tones in this intro. Too much Tony. P.S. I take my comedy very seriously. And I think she does. So I said she's an actress, but she is also a comedian, of course. If you didn't pick up on that, <clears throat> she definitely is. And in that, in both regards, she's pretty damn unique. Uh, Ross is somebody who was on the show before I just mentioned very talented performer to say the least uh, especially in the circus realm and the two of them really I, I feel like they have a lot in common especially in their overall satire uh, attitude the satirical attitude the bottom line I'm going to say more later about Tony and and say what really inspired me to reach out to her and, and get her on the show. The bottom line is you need to go look at what she's doing because it is, you, you can't take your eyes off of it, especially the video that I first saw. We'll come back to that. Mostly though, thank you, Tony, for joining. Really appreciate it. And it was a good chat. It was a good chat to say the least. So, I'm listening to Justin singing. <laughs> uh, we've rescheduled with Yulia. It's a very funky weather day. I'm getting over the cold, feeling like I'm ready. Uh, feeling like I'm ready for tomorrow, that is, because we go back to, we're back on camera tomorrow to finish filming the course. Sunday and Monday, we finish filming. Is that stressful? Yes, because it's a big project. It's meant to be a big... It's like writing a book or recording an album, uh, for me at least. I, I care quite a bit about it, as does fortunately everybody involved. <clears throat> it's a big one. And the fact that I've had this congestion has not made me too thrilled about it, but I'm going to get a good sleep and we're going to rock it. And I picked up some sort of fancy nasal spray and it's going to rock. Um, all of that and more. 
in a way, I'm kind of glad that Yuli and I are not meeting, least of all, because I didn't want to get her sick. Um, I don't think I would, because I'm on the other end of this cold. And not that I know whether or not I'm contagious or not, but I don't think I am. And it's not COVID. I took a test, FYI. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't risk exposing her to that. Although she said she didn't, or I don't think she really cares based on the conversations we've had. So we're meeting Tuesday. What she has been doing is literally delivering directly to Ukraine what people need on the ground. I know Yulia relatively well, but I also don't know her well enough to really be sure how is this conversation going to go. I mean, I'm basically hoping she just tells me everything that she's doing and I barely have to ask any questions because what am I going to ask her? What do you think about Putin? Obviously, I wouldn't ask that, but Jesus, like... Hey, every single aspect of our foundation seems to be shifting. Um, Want to talk about that? Clearly, that's not how the conversation is going to go, but also I guess I was nervous about it. And I'm glad I'll have a little bit more time. I'm glad I'll be doing it after we finish recording. Let's put it that way, recording the course. And... I don't have, to, I don't need to gather my thoughts because I don't have an, I don't need to have a strong opinion about any of this. What's needed is to hear from her. And, you know, it's always odd to me when anybody would have a strong opinion about something that arguably they really don't know much about. We all try to become, <laughs> can you hear Justin singing? Don't stop believing. <laughs> We're all trying to become experts of everything, it seems, in some way. Or it seems like we have this capacity to convince ourselves that maybe we could be experts. There's something neat about that. There's something also really confusing about that. We're going to have to ride that wave, though. <laughs> Clearly, because the internet isn't going anywhere, social media isn't going anywhere, and for better or worse, social media is around. I wouldn't be talking with Tony if it wasn't for social media. She and I wouldn't have connected, most likely, if it wasn't for social media. Man, I get videos sent to me sometimes from people, and I like these. I'm friends with some of these people. Um, Yeah. The, the the capacity to be curious is good, but man, like, or excuse me, if you can go so far as to think that maybe you know something is not being, like there's something fishy going on, yada, 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 in any capacity, I simply don't even really know why, like, why are we even engaging in that? There's so, it's almost so unnecessary. There's so much excess in that regard. Let's not even talk about it. And I'm not, that's not ignoring anything. That's not being ignorant. That's acknowledging that it's a waste of energy. It's a waste of time. Maybe that's what I needed to get out. There's so much energy and time being wasted. And I'm aware of it for myself as well. Because of the excesses, because of the confusion 
I like what Sean Penn said. He was just on um, Sean Hannity's show, funny enough. And I watched a little bit of it because I saw some headlines. Don't even know why I saw them. But his primary point is in Ukraine, there are clear unifying values. There are clear unifying principles. There are clear unifying standards based on what he can see, which quite frankly, I suspect he's right because he seems like a smart guy. I have no reason to think he's not, as far as I can tell. He seems like a guy who's committed to getting to the truth. And getting to the absolute truth is not possible, therefore not necessary, and not the priority no matter what. Getting enough truth, getting enough clarity about what we can agree upon is the key. 100%. What can we agree upon enough? What can we agree upon enough? Can we agree to hopefully not backtrack a little bit that Will Smith needs therapy (laughs) and that we don't want people to be able to just walk around slapping each other? Apparently not. Can we agree that the ability to speak your mind freely is an absolute priority and we can also be maturing as as adults, as a culture, as a society? Yes, hopefully we can and maybe not. Not yet at least. I think the fundamental problem with getting to the quote-unquote truth is we think it's going to be one-sided. We think it's going to be a simple sentence. We think it's going to be one very, very, it's going to be a constant. There are consistent aspects of reality. In fact, they're, they're probably not that hard to, to see. And they build, they are implied within those constant aspects is the fact that there's going to be more than what you see in this particular moment. There's going to be something, I just, I simply say it as something new. There is going to be something that's different eventually and something the same. Therein rise the only word that you can possibly use to oversimplify it, which is from our human narrative and human point of view, paradox. But even that's not quite accurate enough. And I'm not sure what that offers. Paradox. Yay. Great. Now you still need to go and eat and feed people and have clean water and clean up your mess and Enjoy yourself and sing, as Justin keeps reminding me. (laughs) I was committed to doing these intros no matter what, and I am going to finish them, even if there is somebody singing in the background. This course that we're filming is, is really about... 
laying out a foundation for how we can approach truth. How can we approach any issue and any topic and any aspect of our shared reality, and we do have a shared reality, effectively? And that's not new. Civility is not new. The priority, the need to understand each other is not new. The need for empathy is not new. The need for humility is not new. We are shedding light on the fact that there is a a biomechanical and a somatic foundation, which also isn't new, but maybe the way we can present the information can help us see what we're needing in a new way. But no matter what, just to come back to where I was a second ago, this whole truth thing is not going to be a simple dot. It's not going to be a simple line of poetry. It's not going to be a simple, (laughs) um, it's not a Rumi poem. No offense to anyone that loves Rumi. I love Rumi. It's not a, uh, it's not simply the sound of wind. It's also not simply some childish phrase. It's also not simply a mathematical equation. It's all of this and more. And continuing to prioritize the ability to understand everything and then more is the key. It doesn't finish. It's not a completion. It's not something that you have in any absolute capacity. It can't. And even if Ukrainians have shared values, their values are going to be evolving. Even if Americans figure out a way (laughs) to have shared values, our values are going to evolve. Even if as a whole global society and species, we miraculously achieve a level of awareness where we see that our capacity to enjoy existence depends on all of us engaging together with a similar union and united and agreed upon understanding that too will evolve and change no matter what thinking that we can complete the story is only devastating It's only destructive. There is a time to close the book, if you will. We need to understand death and thinking and telling ourselves that there is a completion is destroying 
Actually, that's the end of the sentence. It is destroying. <clears throat> Even if Putin is playing some natural resources game, as sick a word as that is, or there is some other conspiracy-ish kind of entanglement that somebody thinks they want to uncover or need to uncover, it really kind of doesn't matter because operating as if there could possibly be some sort of functional long-term independence or energy independence with regard to resources that are clearly clearly to me at least with regard to resources the use of which ha clearly have more cons than pros if we use them a certain way, aka fossil fuels. That kind of operating, which is fueled by the thinking that this is the some that this is even even a good solution short term, it's not gonna play out for anybody in anybody's favor. And I, I bet there is some kind of behind the... Actually, I don't know. I don't even care. I don't even want to think about it. I wasn't going to talk to Yulia about it, so I'm going to get all this shit out now in the intro with you. It, even if somebody uncovers something... You know what? Fuck it. No. It's not even worth mentioning. It doesn't even matter. There is no <laughs> way anything that's happening right now in this context needs to be understood differently. We simply are, as a species, operating based on beliefs which are only destroying it doesn't even make a difference if we try to get to the bottom of something going on. I have zero interest in that. I simply am bringing it up because I guess I need to chew on some crap that's been floating around in people's minds and somehow they... Yeah, I, I know that it's there for them. So this is me chewing on it and saying it doesn't even matter. I'll do the work for you. I'll process that fast enough for you. It doesn't matter. What matters is all of us rewriting our beliefs, rewriting this fundamental script, which continues to destroy. It continues to present unnecessary and excessive destruction, not creation, not celebration, not collaboration, but destruction and disconnection and dysfunction.
There's an operating system there that's not obvious enough yet, and it needs to be. Funny enough, (laughs) no pun intended, as Tony says, she takes her comedy very seriously. I take my seriousness very comedically. Um, Actually, funny enough, that is a lot of what Tony and I would be did talk about. And I didn't even think of that as a relevant sort of introduction to what we, she and I talked about, but it is. Um, I'll mention more of this later, but again, Tony is, there's, there's a lot about her on the internet. You can look up. She has an IMDB account. Like I said, she's an actress. Um, goes way back actually her acting career. It's pretty pretty impressive. She, (laughs) one, one little one that stands out there, the real housewives of white supremacy. Um, are she and I completely eye to eye on everything? I was thinking about that when we were talking. Uh, I don't know. And I don't care. And if you don't feel like you are, that's okay. I think you will be enough and I am enough and the things that I could even wonder about are not even that interesting to me because the key is what's enough. And there's no question that she and I are on the same page in terms of the needs that we all share Need are getting more and more clear, funny enough. And we need to continue to make them more and more clear. The needs we all share are increasingly clear. We didn't talk about mental health, but it's definitely there. It's definitely in the background. Um, We also didn't specifically spell out the need to read and to be wise and to be learned and to be a critical thinker, but it's there and it's needed. She literally brings up Plato, which I thought was pretty cool, and Spinoza. So that's fun. That was, that was, <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that, and it was wonderful. There's a lot of history to everything that I share, that I prioritize, that this show is about, and that I'm bringing to every conversation that many guests are bringing with them to our conversations, and hopefully that you are tuning into. It is... There's a lot. We don't always try to be very explicit about it, and there is a lot. It's not worth it to be explicit about it because there's too much to bring everybody up to speed about. It's e- the in- the focus for me is how do we make it most relevant for most people? How do we make what is most important relevant to most people now? <laughs> and movement, by the way, is a great tool for that. Okay, I think that's it. <laughs> I think I'm going to leave it there. Um, Tony didn't give me any kind of intro that I need to read, so I took advantage of that and allowed myself to do what I just did. So thank you. I will acknowledge sponsors. I want to say thank you to most recently uh, Mildred for joining us with Duck Donuts. Hopefully there will be a Duck Donuts in Doylestown. I know coming up, one of the guests coming up is a big fan of Duck Donuts. So, uh, Mildred, 
for Ama's sake, bring him on over. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Tony is back from Key West, and there's a lot of news to share with him, but let's just say keep Tony Ortiz art in your whatever version of um, just pay attention and maybe however you do what you do to, to wish people well, do that. Philadelphia Table Company, always something cheeky that I'm tempted to say about them, but at this point I'm not. Um, Native. Native was such a sweet... Sweet hub for connection this week. Who did I? I saw the Service Brothers, Service Events, other sponsor, and Ama, and Jessica with the Cardinal. Shout out to the Cardinal. Love it. Maybe we'll, and they're going to be on soon. They're going to be on the show soon. Um, Anthony walked in, Anthony Green. He's been on the show. Obviously, you know him from so much more. And I feel like there was a couple other people that we saw there. But bottom line is what? What a wonderful hub. And thank you, Jay, for for all of what you've created there, to say the least. Least of all, because you have delicious coffee and donuts and avocado toast, all of which I happen to have today, which could have been a dumb thing given my little sinus irritation, but here we are. Oh, well. I'll be fine tomorrow. <laughs> um I've hinted at the fact that you're going to hear more from Rodale Institute. We're still working out the kinks of what we're going to shout out about them, but keep that uh, keep that in the back burner, especially because there's a lot of Earth Day information that's going to be flowing your way soon, especially because it's April and there are some relevant Earth Day and Earth Month, if you care to look at it that way, events coming up soon. It's only April 9th, but very, very soon, April 20. Second, we'll be here. That's Earth Day. And last but not least, oh, I guess I hit everybody. Never mind. <laughs> okay. And that's that. So those are the sponsors, obviously. Apologize for the need for editing there, guys. And I'm going to leave you with that. Thank you for listening to that long-winded intro. Um, the episode's relatively short, so there's another reason to be verbose in the intro I appreciate you all appreciate you all for everything that you do with regard to this I'm going to be mentioning a lot more about Patreon in the next intro appreciate your support with that and that's it for now okay thank you be well enjoy the show so we both have 11 year olds that's clearly something neither of us knew isn't that fantastic so Griffin is his name. I, I just mentioned. Do you have an only child or do you have multiple? Just the one for now. Yeah, just the one. Me as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of think there is a, obviously there's a stigma about only children, but I think having one child is akin to having no children within the child community because it is so what? much easier with one than it is with multiple. That's what I truly believe. Like yeah, the I'm difference good. between yeah. zero and one, you know, like that's a huge difference. And everyone's like, oh, once you have one, you should just have more. It doesn't make a difference. And I think that's not correct. I think it, I think there's a lot more freedom when you only have one. 
never right never mind what <clears throat> the only thing i did imagine we'd get into not parenting at all but the the larger sort of social ramifications of of having lots of children in this particular day and age and blah 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 um cuz i can imagine you might have thoughts about Maybe you don't. I'm looking at your face, but well, you know, it's like for me on a personal level, I wasn't I planning like, to jump to that, though. I'm more interested in the fact that we both listen, have 11 gonna, year old kids. <laughs> yeah, we have both 11 year old kids. They should date, <laughs> although mine is currently completely disinterested. I don't know where anything. my son is with any of that either. So we talk about it. They are literally learning about puberty right now. Like we, what an awful word. <laughs> They're learning. All right, they're learning about each other's bodies right now. Like he was just, mm. like he was just explaining what they heard about eggs. Literally, mm. this was just two days ago we were talking about scrambled, not fried. Please, correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. and sperm. Literally, this is all happening this week. Oh, interesting. Yeah. We did this talk a while ago. The sperm, sperm, egg conversation. Did you have a personal one, or did you just wait for school to deal with it? No, I have not imagined it needing to happen yet. I mean, I've imagined it happening, but I don't see it needing to happen yet. And I'm happy to have it. I never, it's one, you know, let's talk about how terrible our parents are, Tony. My parents never had that conversation with me. So never talked about it, but you didn't ask like, where do babies come from? You weren't concerned or curious at any point, or you just, no, there wasn't enough. There wasn't much guidance in my upbringing with any of that. I didn't go to public school though. My son goes Mm. to public school, Catholic school. Yeah. Oh, Catholic. Oh, I was raised Catholic also. Yeah. I'm not surprised. (laughs) Ah, that's funny. I mean, I was never, I have to admit, you have a hint of the Irish in you too. Yeah. I'm Hungarian. I am a no Irish? Eastern European. No Irish. You just play it well then. Never just mind. an Eastern European <laughs> girl. All right. Um, and I'm apparently ignorant. So that's okay. I mean, you know, I've got the kind of green eyes, but I do think that when my kid asked about how humans were made, like, how do you make people? She was about three. And I explained, I was like, well, the man puts the penis in the vagina and sperm is released and it swims up her fallopian tubes into her egg. And I explained it. And so then she kind of like sat there and so, and then she starts going through like every child in her school. So she was like, so Reese's dad put his penis in Reese's mom's vagina. And I'm like, yeah. And she was like, okay, so like Gavin's Gavin's mom (laughs) had Gavin's dad's penis. And and she just like, and I was like, oh my God, this is going to be a really interesting day in school tomorrow when she goes (laughs) and tells everybody where their parents' penises, vaginas have been. So, uh, so she's deep into this. She's ready to date clearly, but she's completely disinterested. Yeah. That's, I don't, I don't know if it's a generational thing or she's just, you know, I don't know if this generation is as interested because there is more information out there. I'm not sure. I think we were a little more like, what's going on? We were more curious. Yeah. I do assume we are a similar generation. Yeah, probably thirties. You're, you're, I'm guessing don't, don't let me get two things wrong here. You're not like secretly you're looking at me like I should be. Well, I guess I'm like, do, am I supposed to, do you tell people? I'm like, eternally I don't care. No, yeah. You're t- yeah. Whatever. You're, you're 12. Yeah. I'm 12. Your daughter's I'm 11 just, and you're 12. That makes and sense. I'm 12. Yeah. And I'm, I'm 85. And then let's just leave it at that. I don't care. Thank right. you. Thank you. <clears throat> um, 
none of this is what I expected us to talk about. But it's just a fun, a fun little quinky dink. Yes. How are you? <laughs> well, I've had a really rough go for the past yeah. two weeks, but I've been, you know, kind of trying to dig myself out of yeah, the. That, that's on the list here. The the thing which was not there when I originally messaged you. It was mm. not about that at all. That's happened since then. Mm. The cancel stuff, right? Oh, yeah, that I'm used to. I mean, I always get like a little bit of a heartbroken when I get canceled. But then I have to laugh at the own like cosmic irony of like, I'm like, why is this corporation <laughs> canceling me for talking about corporations and their corporate interests? It's so indignant. I have to On laugh at myself using their corporation. Yeah. Like, why won't you let me use your platform to talk about how your platform is corrupt? Um, so it's all right. I just, sometimes when that happens, I feel so just silenced. I feel silenced. And then I think that brings back childhood traumas and wounds of just not being heard. Well, I, I get that. And if that's not that important, then believe me, I don't need to dig into anything. I'll say what I was most curious about. Would you, would that be helpful? Cause we obviously super, really talked. super okay. interested. Yeah. All right. So I first saw because of a friend your video about um, he reposted something I think from your TikTok. It was primarily about nine eleven and like conspiracy theories oh. in general. It was mm -hmm. fucking it was hilarious, but <laughs> so fucking brilliant and smart. And that was immediately when I wrote to you and thank you for writing back. Um, oh yeah, and I sent that to so many people. I was like this. You can't argue with a word here. It's fucking hilarious and so smart. And look at the way she's moving. It's great. <laughs> Just that was that was my favorite video, by the way. So they're I mean, they're all great, but that one was so, so good. You Oh, you, I appreciate that. You deeply. nailed that. Yeah. Well, all of your you moved around that room so well. <laughs> um so knowing your is it fair to characterize you relatively as like a satirist or you're, you're focused, you're kind of into satire. Is that accurate to say? Do you? Absolutely. Okay. Fair I enough. Yeah. call myself like, I think of what I do as a type of clowning. And my, I've spoken with someone similar to you who we also talked about JP and I'll, I will get to that. Maybe mm. Ant antic in a drain. You two would probably hit it off really well. You have a similar kind of vibe. He lit, he, he has a, I think like a, do you have a circus background? Is that wrong to assume? I don't, but I have a an affinity for it. You know, I've done a yeah. lot of improv and different kind of explorative theatrical work, but I have never actually focused primarily on circus. But I, I am aware of the community. Well, I looked. Yeah, I couldn't tell from your website if that was part of it or not. But it's obvious that yeah, the performance side is clearly relevant. So, um. Yeah, I think this this satirical uh, approach is so so great, and I thank you for not losing your your marbles along the way, like the guy I just mentioned. But uh, <laughs> you're clearly pushing the boundaries. You're clearly I'm provoking. You're being provocative. It's great. I'm definitely trying. Yeah, it's great. But there's a line I want to like tightrope walk on it. Keep walking it. Yeah. Do you do you feel good with it? Are you liking it? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, 
around content creation, because that's basically what I'm doing. I'm trying to create content that is worthy of being digestible. And it's funny, even if you're on a podcast or you're participating in that medium, you want to make something or contribute to a conversation that feels worthy, right? That's always what I'm looking to do is do something that feels worthy of sharing, of commenting, of pontificating about and so I'm really always trying to push myself to explore whatever topic, whatever situation, whatever's going on, and just really keep poking and prodding the underbelly of the conversation. So I'm not just parroting rhetoric. I think the thing that frustrates me the most, and we see it, I'm sure you've seen these you know, YouTube scenarios where they're manufacturing consent and every single pundit is saying the same thing and it doesn't really matter the channel and they all have the same talking points. You know, I just want to be someone that titillates and disrupts the thought process of the status quo. Yeah. And the guy that I mentioned, um, Ross, he's a, the guy in the circus world and yeah, we had a, similar conversation. In fact, I met him a very similar way. I was just like really <clears throat> moved by the content because it is titillating, but smart at the same time. It's not just, I mean, there's some ways of being quote unquote funny that are clearly people haven't necessarily put as much thought into it as you and, and other people have. And it's, it's good to see. I love it. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, again, not to force any particular details to come up, but I appreciate the fact that you're not actually crazy. Like some I try. Are, yeah. You know. I don't think I am. <laughs> I think I'm a sad clown, but I think I'm pretty <laughs> rooted in a certain sense of reality. Absolutely. Well, yes. Thank you. And that I, I was going to try to clarify what I meant by crazy just then. And that's a great way to phrase it. Yeah. Do you have a particular sense of reality that, comes across I came across to me especially because of that first video and again by the way the podcast um the movement theme is really what catches my eye because you were moving not just gracefully but there was this you didn't want to stop watching it was like where's she gonna go next as <laughs> she's literally also explaining and unraveling and unfolding it was like the most it was such a perfect somatic like spiral and poetry all at once it was really cool Really, oh. really cool. I love those when you do those. Um, the th yeah, there's clearly a sense of of reality though that you're you're consistent about. Yeah, it's not it's not chaotic. It's not no, just pure chaos at all. I do want to ground things in a certain sense yeah. while pushing the boundaries of the cosmos. I want the Earth and the universal to have that tie because I think if you're too far. You know, in either spectrum, you can really alienate others and also really be limited if you have too much of a fixed, not only identity, but mind frame. So I like yeah. to, fixed I like ideation. to combine them both. Yeah, you know, it could be alienating, but it could be even more directly dangerous, I'd say. And I don't think you want to, I don't get the impression you want to be dangerous in your provocative uh, approach. No. I get the impression you're actually trying to catalyze very specific questions and thought. Yeah, I think I'm ultimately my goal is about having a shared vision of optimism of our future. And I think that that takes a certain amount of not only imagination, but 
idealism, humor, and like a brevity, you know, and I just, it's like, when you think about the whole concept of manifestation, which is, as you probably know, know, yeah, (laughs) yeah, co-opted and misunderstood and miscalculated in many ways. But what I think is most interesting about manifesting is when you direct your attention towards something that is giving it energy and it is giving it power. And so when we are in this collective state of paranoia and fear, we are giving paranoia and fear a certain amount of power. So when things happen that are reinforcing our paranoia and our fear, we're almost like, oh, see, I knew it was coming and we embrace it rather than having a different vision and a different idea of what could be happening. And therefore we wouldn't be so complacent when it comes to this kind of shocking, you know, it really is shocking mind control that keeps being like infiltrated into our psyches constantly. So I am a huge proponent of positive imagination. And thanks for being a proponent of it. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do in my own way. I appreciate you contextualizing it that way because I I can tell, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's obvious, and it doesn't need to be, but it it does come across to if you pay enough attention and you're and you're not reacting and you're not like overly distracted by any one of your you know funny and <laughs> intriguing elements. It does come across if you are willing to actually pay attention and listen. It's very yeah. I guess I'm asking quite a lot of the audience. <laughs> Well, it's different than this. Like you said, there's a different medium. You're being a little more direct right now. Right. That's not to say you should be in your particular approach. Yeah. I think it, I mean, clearly you get, you're getting a lot of attention, right? Like that's not without, there is a reason for that. Right. And it's funny. I think the funniest kind of reaction I get is when people don't understand that I'm in on the joke. You know, like I just get, there's like, there's people well, like, the oh, day, my, yeah. oh my goodness. Like, look, like that always makes me laugh so much as if they don't understand that I understand what's happening. And that I, you know, I can find myself in a Reddit. I, I try to avoid certain communities because I'm like, oh dear, I don't need to know what all those comments are saying about me. But at the same time, I have to really honor the people that are most critical of me because they are my biggest broadcasters as well. So, you know, nothing but love to those that critique. <laughs> I, I truly have a lot of gratitude for them. What is a consistent critique besides that perception that you're not in on the joke or whatever that? Oh, I guess. um, Well, that would be one. I think sometimes what I mean, what are the critiques? I guess some people just are more. They're more really committed to capitalism as a noble system and everything that I'm saying is basically going back to the fact that we're not experiencing some corruption of capitalism. This isn't an anomaly of capitalism. This is actually the natural consequence and unfolding of a capitalist system. So I think the people that disagree with me most are critiquing that I have a fundamental critique of capitalism completely, not that, oh, we're just seeing some sort of cancer within a perfect system. Does that make sense? 
It does. Yeah. To me, it does at least. I, I suspect it makes generally enough sense. There's a lot to unpack, of course, <clears throat> no matter who you are, no matter where you are in that particular sort of conversation, there's a lot to unpack. But having watched enough of your videos, I, I know what you're getting at enough. But I think we could unpack that quite a bit if you want. Um, yeah. Certainly more. <clears throat> you know, I think it's actually for the best that we didn't meet the other day because too many of us were still too caught up in that other ridiculous component of the week. That I'm glad we're not. Oh, you know, into. I, I was, but the I whole will, time I was like, someone is like, what laws are being passed? Like right now I was just like, well, everyone's talking about this, like 700 oh, you mean the things laws we were just, messaging each other about. I mean like the, the, the Oscars. Yeah. What do you mean? That? Well, yeah. But then what do you mean by laws are being passed? Like, Oh, I just think that there was probably a bunch of laws around our freedoms that were passed this week that we had no idea that were being passed. Like, I, I'm sure that there was a bunch of bombings and a bunch of laws being passed and some super nefarious thing. Anytime there is this like massive or the global conversation, I am like, I'm not participating in this because something else is going on and it's yeah. not about this. I'm just a hundred percent sure. Or an ice shelf falling off. It's the size of New York state and things like that. Uh, yeah. The things that, well, that's what I meant. Like you and I messaged each other. Some of those, here's what oh, I think yeah, about the memes, slap. Yeah. Da, da, da. Yeah. yeah. Well, not Yeah. <laughs> There weren't even really memes. There were people actually sharing their. I guess they got shared, so they became memes, right? But, they became that the format became a yeah. meme. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm with you, but you couldn't ignore it because people were talking about it. At least or for me here, where I am, it was. Oh, I bet. I actually, I was like, I'm staying off social media for two days. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I I saw the funniest memes. They came out one hour after it's done. It's over. It's dead in the water. I am going to tie it in, though, but not because we're going to waste time talking about it, because I know we're sure we're both, I'd love we're both to hear you be, tie it in. I'm going to tie it in to cap, what you just said about capitalism and mm. isms in general and a particular kind of fixed ideation system or closed loop narrative. And I'm going to tie it in because he invoked the concept of the devil. No matter what mm. he specifically meant, let's link those. I bet. We OK, can go. it's let's it'll do be it. fun. It'll be a great little marriage. Well, to me, the nature of the link has to do with um, <clears throat> beliefs in general, but specifically mm -hmm. like making things up, like a capacity to not just believe something, but to believe something and, and not even realizing you're believing it, but such that you're making something up, mm -hmm. but most, most importantly, not knowing that you're making it up. And you, I think we can see how in capitalism, that's in ec economics in general, um, there's a lot that's made up, not necessarily good or bad, like forget the morality part, because that's potentially made up as well. But the nature of the beast is relatively fictional. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. In essence, there's a fiction. Many, mm -hmm. a, many a pun intended there. So assuming you don't believe in the devil in the sense that I believe many people or to, enough people probably get caught up in thinking about it, which seems like an accurate assumption about you. Uh, I know we also probably don't necessarily believe that <clears throat> um, capitalism is somehow purely natural, because in the strict sense of the word natural, it's arguably not. It negates harmony and balance, I think, which kind of what you were mostly getting at. Mm -hmm. Then it gets tricky because people try to say that democracy and capitalism go hand in hand. And that's mm -hmm. another monkey wrench. Yeah. <laughs> mm hmm. So 
play ball. <laughs> Turn it into so, a video. <laughs> uh, so I think that this all stems from a problem when it comes to how communities organize and hierarchy. So there was a moment in time, you know, if we were to follow back human history, where we had to self-organize. And so there is that question of how do we organize and what are the priorities that we are going to, as a community, withhold within this organization of how we work together. And so you can- Priorities. Yeah, that's a key word. Yep. Priorities are super key, right? And so if you look at Aboriginal cultures, for instance, their priority was very connected and entwined with their relationship to the land and their relationship to their natural surroundings and their relationship to sustainability, right? So you have many different, I guess we have to call them indigenous now, but at one point, these were just human attributes of being concerned and aware and connected to the human relationships with uh, within each other and then the relationship to the environment, right? And so then there was this concept of hierarchy, of leadership. And I understand from a certain system systematic sense how leadership is convenient. Like if you lived in a totalitarian regime, change can happen quite fast because one person is making a decision or like a small group of people is making a decision and then things move accordingly. But the problem that I keep sensing with hierarchy is that when you have power over another and you have power over the people, then maintaining that power is going to be the biggest dopamine rush of your life. And that addiction to that dopamine and that addiction to that power will be the pervasive principle throughout it. So what do we have now? We do not have a cooperative system. We do not have a democracy. We've never had a democracy. We've only had the wealthy and the people who have access to power figuring out ways of which to maintain their power. And there is a lot of different masks that have been put on, but the hierarchy and the power structure has remained the same for like for a very long time. Yet we've also seen many, many examples of communities and of people working together in a much more collaborative way, where even if there are roles, those roles don't have that same hierarchy, right? So I mean, we can go on and on about Western philosophy and how much it was like co-opted and has become, you know, a tool of white supremacy in many ways. But if you were to look back at the Republic, which is like Plato's, you know, basic design for humanity, he talks about, you know, gold, silver and bronze people, which already there's a hierarchy in there. But basically there was this thinking that just because you have a certain role in society and that role might not seem glamorous. That role still has an immense amount of value because you're doing this like massive contribution to the betterment of the whole, right? So what we have when we look at our current paradigm is there is so much value attached to each role of society. And these roles are not 
prioritizing the true value. It's like the fact that we pay teachers so little, the fact that we pay like healthcare practitioners that are dealing with like the margins of society and mental health and the homeless so little. It's just all of these things that we choose not to value. It's because our priority within a capitalist system is constantly going to be those that bring in capital and those that are marketable and those that are brandable. So I do not see how we can live in a truly collaborative landscape with that psychological imprint. Pause. Yeah. Okay. Nice dog, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah. So there's a whole group of people <clears throat> who I, many of whom are friends, some of whom I just know uh, peripherally and um, celebrities I respect. We don't have to name names, but I get where they're coming from when they give the following response, which is more or less just a, if I may, and I, I know I probably can with you. Um, don't be such a, um, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And don't just dismiss the values of this great country. Um, because really it's actually the best we've got and it's the best thus far. And, um, stop sounding like, uh, a bratty white person. Stop sounding like a entitled bratty white person, if you will. Mm -hmm. Never mind the white part. Just stop sounding like a bratty entitled person. And it's funny because I know they're actually on the same page as far as what perhaps the ideal would be, but they I know that response. So I just want to flag that for any people who just had those thoughts. I, I hear you and I see you and I know what you are. I know you would say that and think that. And then and that's fine. That's okay. Now, what you're getting at, what you said, especially at the end, I think, is the psyche component. What is this psychological paradigm? That's the part that doesn't get enough attention in general. And that's, I think, what I could perceive with you is you're, you're honing in on some like deeper, I'm even willing to like, call it neurological component that's driving something that isn't being seen clearly enough. I don't even care if you call it capitalism or Christianity or just hone in on the religious components or supposedly the economic components. There's something that isn't getting enough attention that I think you're right to call it psychological or neurological. And uh, that's why I mentioned beliefs and the inter you know the bringing those challenging components together seems like it has to do with beliefs. Why the hell haven't we done a damn thing arguably about this quote unquote global crisis? Why was don't look up such a significant mm. movie and tragically so because we're not figuring it out? Why aren't we figuring it out? Probably because there is this driving mechanism that is our beliefs that we're not unpacking well enough never mind even like white supremacy or western civ like because plato's republic had some cool parts right and like the cave metaphor is a neat metaphor i think it's fairly transcendent and um but we don't that that's not even necessary to <laughs> get into there's clearly something about that that was valuable even if there was the perhaps sort of racist undertone as well well, also, it's just a lot of these thoughts have been co-opted. I mean, yeah. most of Greek philosophy is basically repackaged Buddhism and a lot of African. Well, yeah, the cave is a lot philosophy like, as well. Yeah. The, so, I mean, the, the best Greek philosophers traveled to the, the East and got a lot of information from yeah. India and from Africa and um, probably China and Japan. So 
all of our Western knowledge is just piggybacking on the ancient wisdom that stood before it. You know, these were well-traveled men who were philosophizing. But I think, you know, the, the interesting thing about imperialism, right, which is what we are, we are in an empire. So when someone's going to say like, this is the best we got, who are you to criticize it? Well, you know, those people, right? You know who the, of course. And it's because (laughs) what I think that's coming from is a deep fear of not being the empire. Mm. So it's like, we are as, as United States citizens, we are the prevailing empire of the globe. And what we, what are we most terrified of people treating us the way we've treated other countries. And so when, when an American questions the integrity of these, you know, political decisions we've had on the global stage, what is really being said is like, I maybe like that wasn't great, but I would rather us than someone do that to me. Yeah. You know, Plus, and I think that's they're usually the being fear. hypocritical. They're usually doing it the same. They're usually doing it as well. They just don't see it. Like, yeah. And of course it just, if you see a fighter pilot, you know, have you ever been just, you know, chilling and then suddenly you see like a really low flying plane and you're like, Whoa, that's really terrifying. And then you have a moment where you're like, Holy shit. Like many countries have low flying United States planes that then drop bombs on them. We've never fucking experienced that. You know, I've never experienced that. I have no idea what that's like to have a plane fly over me and then drop a fucking bomb, you know? So I think that when people question the critique of America and think you're a spoiled brat for doing it, what they are just truly afraid of is being the subject of that kind of tyranny that we have put on in the other parts of the world. Plus, we can easily just move on from it by saying, look, the reality is you're <clears throat> being disingenuous or hypocritical because you can both love and appreciate what you have and recognize the room for improvement and growth. And that's not a rock. That's the that's not complicated. That's life. That's reality. So and know, everything we, we have is a consequence of the massive suffering that we have put into the atmosphere. Yeah, it's not it's not like, oh, lucky us like they're have been lots of very nefarious moves to give us this advantage. Yes. And atmosphere is a provocative word because it hones in on that global pollution component, the environment, the degradation of the environment. But what I again think you said is um, extremely important to hone in on, which is the psyche and the thinking and the beliefs and the the assumptions, the, the um, constructs, the... The basic ideas that have been for, as you've already pointed out, thousands of years, uh, you went even further than the Bible. So many thousands of years you went before the Bible. Um, they, they are not subtle in their effect, um, meaning the tendency to pollute has a foundation in a belief the tendency to ignore uh, others perhaps suffering or be afraid yeah even the most important point like you said the tendency to do what you're referring to in more recent history 
conquering essentially in quotes, but for the sake of some sort of manifest destiny or um, right entitlement, that obviously is rooted in a certain belief, which if you can't really can't see how that's and how that would get passed on from generation to generation, you're not smart enough, which is a real big problem, by the way. We're not mostly smart enough to get the problem here, but that's that's partly why I think your approach is so provi- is so attractive because it's funny. Uh, <laughs> you can have people look at the deeper psychological challenges with it and make it funny, right? That was what you were doing. Right. You, and you honed in on conspiracy theories beautifully and poetically, but it's a big point. This is look at what you're thinking and why you're thinking that. And that is causing this, this, and this, and this, and this. You can't, you can't debate that unless you're willing to put your head in the sand. You can't actually debate that. It's a fact of our, ex- our existence, the psyche, the psychological foundation. Well, and if you think about what is the most terrifying thing a person can ever do is truly face themselves and to truly look at how they've been programmed and how they've been conditioned, which is why so many people are so fundamentally and, you know, cosmically uncomfortable with meditation or being alone or not having a distraction or not having something going on, some addiction to take them away from the misery that is their own consciousness, because being within your consciousness can feel like a prison if you have not found a home within the self, which is Mm. incredibly difficult to achieve. And the spiritual aspect of it all, which is why so many, I think, turn to religion as that reprieve of that deep existential loneliness and confusion that we all have and share. And that is what Edward Bernays, as you may know, understood about the human condition, which is he was the nephew of Freud. Yeah. And he under, he's the father of propaganda and modern marketing because he understood that every person has a hole in their soul that they're trying to fill and that we can convince them that they can fill that hole with material goods. And that's kind of the birth of advertising and propaganda. And I think that this hole in our soul, this confusion, this these confused emotions, if we're going to talk about Spinoza, another favorite philosopher of mine, is something that we as a human species, I think, has been have been grappling with for millennia. And the reality is, is that we do look for all sorts of different methods and methodology to distract ourselves from that discomfort. And I think what we understood more in the past, or we at least had the advantage of experiencing is that the natural world and being one with the natural world, you had a natural distraction, which was like, okay, like don't get eat by saber tooth tiger or whatever. So you had your life on the line in a different way. You had a different relationship to mortality. Now we have all of this safety technical safety, you know, we're in homes and you can get in your little metal car and you feel safe within your car, even though you could get in a car accident, but we have these illusions of safety. So we don't have to think about our mortality. And so what do we do with that extra brain power? Do we put it towards quantum physics? I mean, some of us do, but most of us just transmute it into anxiety and depression because we have all this extra time to think, and we don't have the training we haven't trained our minds in terms of having a like a like a leash, a tether to our thoughts. And so our thoughts are going all over the place and creating 
talk about mental chaos. You know, most of us exist in a state of complete and perpetual mental chaos because our thoughts are just rapid firing constantly. So I think that that is very easily exploited. Right. Yeah. I think, well, thank you. That was great. And good to have a conversation with somebody who's so well read. That's wonderful (laughs) to say the (laughs) least. Yeah. And the, the, you said so easily exploited. I, despite what you mentioned about, um, propaganda, I'm not sure even the quote unquote exploiters are normally even aware that they're doing it and why they're doing it the way they're doing it. Yeah. As you shake your head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. If you want to look at either, you know, look at it completely, it could be a good thing, could be helpful and could be even worse. They got crap. They're, they're not even aware of what they're doing either necessarily. Uh, (laughs) it's almost like you have a child and when you discipline your child, you have to eventually begin to understand the difference between a want and a need, right? So your child has needs and those needs need to be met. And then your child has wants and not every want can be met, nor should they be met. And so part of the journey of a parent is to A, be able to differentiate between a want and a need, and B, be able to handle the disappointment of your child not getting what they want, right? And very similar, we have to self-parent. We have to understand our wants versus our needs. And I think the thing that we often conflate is that most people's actions are driven by a deep need for love and acceptance. And even though there is this pretense of that being available and existing in all different ecosystems, I think love, true love and acceptance is one of the hardest things to come by. And so if we all just started cultivating self-love and self-acceptance in order to truly love and accept others, I mean, I think that's the thing that was bothering so me so much about the whole slippity slap, flippity flap about, um, the Oscars, I mean, it would be funnier if he got spanked. I, I do wish he spanked him. If he walked up but, and said, turn around, Chris. Turn around. And <laughs> whacked him in the butt. Yeah. The thing that would be very me, funny. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> been hilarious, yeah. <laughs> but it's like people are communicating as if they've never been in either of those positions, either saying something that they maybe shouldn't have said or be being outraged that someone said something that offended you or hurt you, or you felt you're, you know, whatever they were feeling, we have all felt those feelings. We've all been in those positions and the lack of love and acceptance and understanding that I'm seeing, it's all about judgment. It's all about shame. It's all about guilt. I'm so bored of that narrative. I, yeah. it's just like, Okay, I've been both of those things. I've said a lot of fucking things that I shouldn't have said. And my feelings have been hurt before, you know, and I have, you know, I once headbutted an ex-boyfriend in the face, you know, and I actually still stand by that. But, you know, if he had done that to me, it would be a domestic abuse. So I'm a hypocrite, you know, like we all fucking do shit like this. And I think that is where I am really, I'm much more interested in conversations where everything you see 
you're like, oh man, huh? I could see myself maybe doing that, or I could see myself in that position. Maybe it'd be a little different, but whatever, you know, we've, we all have a Will Smith and a Chris Rock inside of us. Like, let's embrace that. Yes. <clears throat> and that is why I didn't intend to even bring it up except for that invoking of the devil. Cause that doesn't, we don't need to talk about them at all. We don't need to talk about the Oscars at all. We don't need to talk about the slap at all. It's like this whole idea of the devil. And it wasn't literally said as the devil made me do it, but the implication was clear enough, I think. But regardless of that, I appreciate <clears throat> what you're essentially, I'm hearing you say is like, not only is empathy necessary, no matter what the context and I think I think that's kind of what you're saying. Empathy is needed no matter what. Um, and empathy and also humility. You know, yeah. like why are we so fucking self righteous in judging others? I do not feel comfortable judging a person with that kind of, you know, hard heartedness. I don't know how else to say it. I am much more interested in radical forgiveness and radical fucking honesty. And the thing that I find most frustrating about, you know, it's like we keep thinking of like, well, people need a consequence in order to change. And without consequences, people don't change. And there's a reason Dostoevsky was popular too. Speaking of yeah, literature. <laughs> totally like we crime and punishment. The first two pages are the crime. <laughs> and then 900 pages of punishment. But like, what makes somebody really change? I, I think it's believing that you're worthy of change, loving yourself enough to change, loving yourself enough to be, I want to be better. I don't think it's through shame. and I don't think it's through guilt. I don't know. I just don't believe that. I think that when people really no, truly change, it's, it's something different. I think that's something else is motivating them. I think in the last few decades, and it really does seem like it's only a few decades. I, I could be wrong, but the mechanics of what you're describing have become increasingly more and more clear. And the fact that guilt and shame are only destructive, and I mean only, there is yes. there's only it only stunts growth. It only limits more uh, learning, to put it mm -hmm. in the most neutral terms. I think that's a fact at this point. I don't believe there's any debate to that. I've not. I'm not. I'm I'm always open to being proven wrong in any regard, but I don't think there's any question about that at the moment. Seems increasingly Good. clear. Well, based on <laughs> yeah, 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 I we keep doing it. We keep shaming and guilting the shit out of each other. Well, I think because even though we have the word empathy, we have the word humility, we have this awareness, we can talk about it, we understand it. There's something fundamentally missing on a mechanics level those are good starts for like those are ingredients for the mechanics of it but i believe part of again why i was really drawn <clears throat> to what you were doing anyway is because of the bodily part the somatic part there isn't and that's increasingly clear too i think in over the last few decades as well the need to go further than mere you know there's one thing to think it and to recognize your thoughts like you're saying about meditation and all of that there's another thing to be able to talk and maybe use your words, but there's a whole nother layer of unpacking that comes with actually changing your lifestyle from, you know, in every movement concept, mm. in every respect. 
Mm-hmm. There's a fundamental roadblock until that's until that happens. Why haven't we changed the me- the mechanics on a movement level? That's mm. a. It's all feeding back to it. All it's a cycle and feedback loop of of awareness. <clears throat> um, there's a yeah, limit to. It's funny when you talk, when you think about, you know, what is the movement that's accepted for men too? You know, a lot of it is sports. Sports is an accepted movement for men and um, lifting weights is an accepted movement for men running these like, you know, like they're either repetitive or competitive, right? And those are how men are kind of programmed and conditioned to move within the paradigm of masculinity. And not that straight men don't dance, they do, but it's, um, you have to be a, you have to, as a straight man, you know, it's a bit of a challenge to say like, I'm going to be a dancer, you know, especially in American culture. Um, but it's so interesting. But to be able to do it without that, like peacocking kind of element, you mean like the. Or just even to just dance. Yeah. And to just be in your body and dance. And so it's like, if you think about how men are, are programmed in these very rigid ways of being able to express themselves with their bodies, either through Mm -hmm. competition or through repetition rather than through like expansive free movement, you know? So it's just kind of, I mean, I think women have a little bit more opportunity for expressive free movement and expressive free emotional outlets, right? It's like women have the reputation of being emotional, which is redonkulous because every man I've ever been with, oh my God, men are emotional. I just, what a strange, <laughs> like uh, the, the, the concept that men aren't emotional is hilarious to me, but what they don't have is outlets of which outlets, to express yeah. their emotional complexity. And women do have more outlets of which to express themselves with that. And so it would be interesting. It would be revolutionary. It would be transformative for right. men to dance. All it means is men are more prone to suppressing their emotions. Yeah, Exactly. And then even <laughs> in the physical, that's what I'm saying. It's like you either have to be competitive or repetitive. You can't just be free in your body. You can, but, you know, it's more difficult. It's less socially accepted. Yeah. And so then on the other, again, these interesting, I don't know why I'm, I guess I choose to be tuned into every perspective because I think you need to know it's good to, when you're in, when you're engaged in some kind of educational paradigm or teaching, or even just catalyzing new thought, you have to consider, I choose to consider, um, the ways Anything could be perceived. So that would potentially, and I agree with you, by the way, of course, the, the flow, especially the fluidity that's needed, that could be, <clears throat> I hear a reaction to that as um, men need to be fundamentally uh, strong and sturdy and rigid. And too, too many men aren't that today. Mm. I, I, know, I know that's a reply as well. And the, I'm sure you, you don't know that. Reply well, no, or, no, I know. I, I was thinking of how to respond to that, which is. Well, is that, a, I mean, can you imagine that reply? I'm assuming. You oh, can, absolutely. Okay. I mean, I, I think there is this fear of what math, what is masculinity and how that's yeah. being threatened or, yeah. or challenged. Yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, like, 
like you know it's like it's like it's like you think of someone like a vladimir putin you know it's just like you think of him just like totally just like free in his body and like dancing like would he be the tyrant that he is or would i i don't know i mean it's a really interesting question about are these aspects of masculinity that yeah, are so glorified the things can, that need to be held on to you can picture him privately putting on like share in his like when he knows like when he thinks everybody's gone to bed <laughs> he can see and like he's oh he thinks he's alone and he's put on share and he's just blasting and he's got his pretend microphone you can picture that and then the second he hears a knock and there's like who's so that rigid all rigid you can it's an obvious um caricature of mass i love he's, that he's playing share yeah. Well, you pick whatever you want. Cher seemed right. But <laughs> I love that. Or Queen. Well, I, I don't care. Whatever. I, know, I really felt I really like felt that that image that you gave me. Cher I mean, yeah, or I, I want to break free. Either Queen, <laughs> Freddie Mercury or Cher. You or pick. I want to dance with somebody. Exactly. Well, Whitney. A little Whitney. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, all three and then some. Gets, <laughs> gets to the point. No, of course, that would be a different world. It would be a different world. I would, we could try it out for a couple thousand years, you know, like we've tried this. That's what I think. I I mean, I would like to just put on the table. It's like, okay, everyone, like we tried this out. We tried your way. Let's just like, let's invert everything. Let's reverse things. Let's try a new way and like, see where we're at in 2000 years. If you don't like it, uh, well, we're my bad. We're battling better or worse i don't know if we're going to figure it out we're, we're battling over ideologies about what's what real balance is what real balance is like what is balance mm-hmm. what is stability what is all of that we're ba- we're battling arguably unnecessarily but still it's happening and i think there's a need to as you're pointing out and i again applaud you for the way you're doing it, the work you're doing is to highlight that it it doesn't, first off, whatever potential evolution could look like in this balance, like the possibility for a better balance doesn't have to mean not that. It doesn't mean that's, we're going to get rid of that or that's bad or we're demonizing any of those mm-hmm, components. Mm-hmm. It could all fit. We just have to consider how to make it all fit better, not get rid of it. So it's just a fear. I think you're kind of right. The fear of not being, you know, never mind the empire, the provocative component and, you know, imagery you gave with that, but the fear of, of losing something is the fundamental block. And you're right. If you could, that's why I said, you gotta, it's one thing to have the concept and the language, but another thing to literally emote or move or get into your body and grounded, as you said in the beginning, there is no other option. Hence, you, of course, start with empathy because you can see that somebody's not doing that. How much, I mean, how much suppressed, of course, he's a, he's a sociopath, but he probably is suppressing some emotions, Mr. Putin, that is. Um, Absolutely. And I think the thing that's kind of interesting when you talk about dismantling systems is there is a fear of what will I lose, kind of what you were referencing. Yeah. And so if, you know, if I were like, let's dismantle the patriarchy, that might feel really threatening to men because they think that I'm saying, well, let's then replace all the matriarchy. <laughs> yeah. And let's replace it with a matriarchy where then we like put all the men in factory farms and like milk them for their <laughs> sperm. 
you know, like, and I'm like, I'm not fucking saying that, bro. Like, that's not what we need to do. Taking, you know, redistributing power doesn't mean that you have to then be uh, like a cattle just being mooed and milked. No, I can vouch for I'm a man for what if you didn't know, I can vouch for men on a large enough scale and say it'd be great. Be great to share the responsibility. Be fucking great. I think so too. (laughs) I think so too. But I think there is this fear. There's this fear of being subjugated, right? And so if you think I'm not, if I'm not in the power position, I will be the one that's subjugated. And I don't want to be that. I mean, I think there's nobody that understands how um, painful racist systems are than somebody who's upholding racist systems, right? Because they're like, oh no, what we're doing sucks for those that are receiving the systematic oppression. So let's just keep it there. So that's never me. And I think that is where we need the psychological, the psychic healing is that there has to be a major you know, it's like funny, the concept of reparations, you know, I, it's not just about economic reparations. There has to be such a deep emotional reparations that needs to happen in order for there to actually be progress. Because if you were to think about what's going on in the world and just like a personal relationship, how do you forgive someone who's been abusing you? Like, how do you actually do that? And can you actually do that? So one of the things that I think is kind of like our biggest barrier is the emotional fear that the people that have been abused will not forgive their abusers. And so therefore, let's just keep abusing them so we don't have to worry about what it would ever look like if they were in power. And I think that that's why I keep talking about, or whatever in this podcast, I keep talking about this concept of radical forgiveness is that we actually have to keep exemplifying what forgiveness looks like and showing each other and showing our children and showing the world on whatever global stage we have, what it is to truly forgive. And what it is, I think, to really forgive is to understand that the person abusing you is also suffering. The person that raped you also is suffering. And that doesn't mean you have to be best friends with your rapist, but can you forgive your rapist? You know, these are the questions that we have to ask ourselves as a society. Can you forgive the person that enslaved you? You can, you can. And the 20th century being a major climactic um, point on the you know time scale of humanity is riddled with as many examples of <clears throat> um, radical violating uh, as much violating as it is forgiving i mean from of course just to rattle off the obvious you know gandhi and can you forgive yourself right can you give forgive yourself for being a raper or uh, an abuser you can i know we know it's possible the there is Mm -hmm. enough evidence for all of us to say yes the mechanics of this are real there is enough evidence to say yes no matter I believe no matter what, there are probably exceptions, you know, but I don't think there is a mic, an actual, um, this is just a reference I'm making because of recent conversations with people. I don't think there are any actual Michael Myers is out there. The, um, not the actor, the, the Halloween. Figure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pure, pure evil. Essentially. I don't mm-hmm. think that I, I mean, you can choose to believe otherwise, but either way, it's not clearly like a Jeffrey Dahmer is kind of an anomaly. 
whatever example you most of us i think most evil is a program most suffering is a program most yeah therefore i agree yeah and if you if you see that then the answer is yes and yes over and over and over and over and over but like you're saying mostly for yourself and i i think what you um i really thank you for continuing to hone in on that the the forgiveness theme because um it does hit a strike a really specific nerve of of the getting out of your head and and going from the words and the concepts and the even the language to like yeah you know what that's that's a real leveling playing ground because no matter i believe no matter what your ancestry your heritage your um whether you're whatever whatever your background right it seems that this stage in our human you know in our uh, collective civilization there's a general need no matter what to realize that the way we're perceiving just how to be humans on this planet is in the way which is to say do you actually have to no matter who you are violate anything to thrive Mm, maybe maybe Mm -hmm. but probably not a lot probably not much probably very little right right Mm -hmm. (laughs) probably yeah Mm-hmm. And Probably, it, uh, right now, we're, we have so such disregard for who well, and what we violate along don't... the way. Right. Well, what alone? Never mind who, but what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and like, both. if you think about workers' rights and how we, yeah, the global scale. I mean, violation. The stock market is just a series of violations. <laughs> yeah, and I'm using that as the reference to, of course, violence, as opposed to just mm-hmm. saying violence, what it is there, you're vi- there's a violation taking place. Yeah. Is, mm-hmm. How necessary is that? Probably, it probably is a little, it's an aspect of existence, so it matters, but how important is it? Probably not a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which sounds hopefully pretty stupid and childish to say, yet clearly makes you pause. Right. I mean, I think one of the things that we always kind of. It's kindergarten, basically, right? (laughs) Yes. And with violence, you know. Oh, God, it's so interesting because it's like the violence is actually the water we swim in. You know, violence is so ubiquitous. That's why I said it. It doesn't. (laughs) It's, It's everywhere. Right. And so it's like how we. How we reimagine. Our relationship to again, self-organizing from violence to collaborating. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why the survival of the fittest um, as how it was understood. I mean, I know that Darwin over time actually had different thoughts of what he thought about that, but that as a prevailing, the fittest means the most violent, you know? Right. That's kind argued, of the, you know. that's the rhetoric that we were given. And that's not even what Darwin believed in the end. So obviously yeah, talk about co-opted concepts, right? Yeah. But yeah, but we don't have enough time. The to belief in the that. belief in violence is the, is the violence is <laughs> part of the violence. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So can you forgive yourself for that is what it comes 
most. And that's why I think the meditation and all of these different spiritual aspects are so important because it's through that dark, 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 dark work of excavating the soul that you learn self-forgiveness. And when you can forgive yourself, you can forgive others. And that is, I think, the key. That is the key to the future. I critique religions and Christianity in particular very deliberately over and over. <clears throat> but my, I am a actually religious scholar. My degree is study of religion. And I love many a religious story. Jesus even, in, yeah, including, I, I mean, to me, Socrates is a religious story. I love The mm-hmm. Last Temptation of Christ in particular. Obviously, we can go to the Dalai Lama, Desmond Tutu, Nelson Mandela, whatever. There, there are countless examples of where you can, where you see what we're talking about exemplified. It doesn't mean that that's easy, but it we know it's not fantasy. Yeah, right. No, it's hard work. I mean, <laughs> no one like no one drinks ayahuasca and then like. <laughs> Woo, dances to little John, you know, it's like you fucking face yourself and you vomit and you purge and you have to kind of like, ah, we're, yeah, we're not going to be able to get into all of that, but it's a good question yeah, to maybe leave with. And how I probably have like a couple of minutes. What about you? Yeah, me too. I have two minutes. Well, I'll just ask this. Don't even worry about answering it, but I am curious in general, if those I've drank ayahuasca. Um, I don't know if you, I'm curious if you think that's needed. You don't have to answer that now. It could be just something to leave. Um, I think oh. the need is the work. I agree with mm-hmm. you. The work. There's a question of how. how. I think it's the experimentation. I have just experimented with many different modalities and many different ways of being. And so to me, it's about the curiosity and just having genuine curiosity of the process of self-healing and self-actualization, self-realization. So ayahuasca is a potential step one could take or San Pedro or peyote or, uh, you know, a psychedelic trip or not at all, you know, <laughs> or you could go into a cave for three days or I don't know anyone's spiritual path or journey, but I do know that it's not comfortable. Right. So part of it is making yourself uncomfortable, you know, and embracing that discomfort and breaking through it. So anything that is promising you an an easy passage, you know, to your enlightenment is caca. That I will guarantee. I appreciate that. Yeah. I am curious about how to not make it necessarily easier, but simpler and more inviting. And I think that is ultimately what you're working on in some ways too. But mm-hmm. um, there, I, I hear what you're saying though. Yeah. I think the joy and the inviting comes by p- walking through the fire in a certain sense. Like I get that you've never mm-hmm. given birth and I would not say Wait, that whoa, given birth. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you don't jump know into me. conclusions here, lady. Giving birth is not an enjoyable experience. I mean, I guess you can have an orgasmic birth if you're one of the like sacred few. Goddess bless those. No, I'm not. I was there Um, for my son's birth, but I'm not. No. And it was not for me. It was not orgasmic, but. (laughs) the relief of it being over is like cataclysmic, you know, pain is not a problem. Pain is just an experience. And I don't think that we have to put so much value judgment on pain as if pain equals bad pain is a sensation. 
And I do think we need the full spectrum of human sensations in order to be a fully actualized human. So I don't think running from pain or running from discomfort is necessary because it's not going to last forever. Just like nothing lasts forever. It's all a shifting landscape and we have to just be open to the passage of it all. I hear you. Yeah. More questions for sure. And I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, I, both of us, you know, time is, is important. Should we leave it at that? Yeah. I really enjoy talking and I appreciate your, your wisdom and your interest in all things metaphysical. <laughs> I didn't know we would necessarily get into all things metaphysical. So thank you. And I appreciate the work you're doing to say the least. Uh, is it okay to, I mean, whatever you want to call it. It seems like it's work in the. Thank you for calling it work. Every time somebody yeah. says, I like your work, I'm like, thank you. You know, like I appreciate you're not, that because I yeah. put a lot of work into it. I think it's obvious. I'm sure not everybody can tell, but I think it's pretty obvious, especially, and <clears throat> yeah, I'll be recommending it more and more, of course, especially now that thank we've you. more or less officially met. Um, yeah, keep it up. And, Take care of yourself. It looks like a lot of work. Thank you. Thank you. And I am so glad we got to connect through the astral planes of existence. <laughs> is that what social media is? <laughs> it, it is to me, right? The magical webs of consciousness. Yeah. Thanks. Have a great day. See ya. Bye. All right. There she was. And here we are. And thank you all so much again. Thank you to our sponsors. And like I've hinted at, you're going to be hearing about the Patreon account coming up quite a bit in the next episode. And please check that out. We greatly appreciate your support. You're also going to be hearing more about the course coming up soon. All things Earth Day and Earth, uh, so to speak, month events. Rodale Institute. Thank you so much. There's a lot happening. Your engagement, your support, your everything is extremely appreciated. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Uh, quite frankly, I believe it. Uh, yeah, yeah. We do genuinely love everything you bring. Thank you. All right. Ta-ta for now. <laughs>